Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. So we're uh, kicking off this, this two-part series in the book of Haggai. If you want to turn to it, we're going to walk through chapter one today. If you don't know where Haggai is, it's between the two Z's in the Old Testament. So uh, you can just search for it while I tell the story to start. Uh, it's two chapters. Uh, it's actually a, an amazing book. It's, it's, uh, it's probably my favorite hidden gem in the, in the, in the Bible uh, because of the word that came, the response that came, the blessing that came, and the relevancy of, of how it applies to, to, to church life and community life and, and Christianity today. Um, and so the series is called Choices Matter because that's really what the, the, the word is in there, what the, the challenge given is and it reminded me of a of a story of, of King David before he was the king. Uh, a lot of us uh, know the the story uh, of him being chased by Saul. He was anointed to be the future king, but there is a king named Saul, and then Saul goes off uh, on crazy train, and and his goal is to kill King David or kill David. And so there's just one story where David and his entire army are hiding in the back of a dark cave. It's a crazy story, and Saul goes in to use the facilities in there. Uh, uh, The Bible says, some versions say, relieve himself, Uh, and he's in there, and so Saul's crazy, not following God. David's anointed by God to be the future king. God said it was going to happen, and all of a sudden, David's men, are they're all in there hiding in the back of a cave. I can't even picture it, like, happening, and no no noise coming that, like, gives them away, but it, it just, that's the story, and... They begin to tell David, hey, kill him now. He's kind of compromised uh, in his position. Uh, we'll just leave it there. Um, and, uh, and so you can kill him and it'll be done. And so in this moment, I, I'm assuming they're all kind of squatting in the dark, hiding like with their swords and everything, waiting just in case they get, they get found out. But, but David has an opportunity right there to, to, to change the narrative of the whole story because he is anointed by God to be the king. And so if I can get rid of Saul, then I'm the king, but that's not necessarily God's plan. And so he's probably going through a thousand thoughts in his mind like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And yeah, they're pushing me to do this. And, and yeah, I only have moments here to, to make this happen if, if I make this happen at all. And what we find out happens is he ends up trusting God more than he trusts himself to make the wise decision. That, that David had this opportunity to to help God a little, like push the needle forward on the plan, like uh, God's busy, maybe he just needs me to make this happen, after all he said it would happen, so I'll just help him out, because God's probably got a lot on his mind right now, that's the human logic choice he had there, and, and so here's David wrestling with this, maybe God forgot about what he told me, and, and I'm going to help him out. Yet David obeys even when it's difficult, when it's not logical and human logic, and, and made a choice to wait and let God unfold his plan. And that's really what we're looking at today. There's, there's always going to be choices for us to make in life, right? I mean, every one of us, whether you're a, a youth or you got you know, five kids in your house or you're retired, you're single, you're married, you're remarried, uh, you're facing struggles, you're facing glorious moments, whatever it is, we all have choices to face in life, choices to make in life. Worshiping God 
as a believer has got to be first. It's got to be our lifestyle of worship, fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's always the most important thing. But when, when the world gets murky, I'm telling you, it, it needs to be highlighted as the most important thing, to keep our eyes firmly focused on Jesus. And then, and then being led by the Spirit of the living God in us to live a gospel life, to live a life that, that lines up with Scripture, but is led by the Holy Spirit, that we're not like so stuck in here that we're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that or not, because uh, I don't see the exact word written. Well, the word's written, and then the Holy Spirit leads us into life and godliness, so we have to have a spirit-filled life. We, we have Holy Scripture, but the Holy Spirit in us leads us to everyday life decisions that line up with Holy Scripture. Don't replace the Holy Spirit in the Trinity God with Holy Scripture. Jesus is the Word. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And there's a movement that's been happening for a long time, but it's, it's popular in, in today's Christian churches to, to really replace the Holy Spirit with the Holy Scripture. And the reality is it's the Father, the Son, who's the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And the Scripture is our guidebook that lines up with those three. So don't get lost. So, so often we can get ourselves lost in keeping our noses in the book and we don't know how to live life around us. That's just a freebie there from me. Amen. God's desire is always to bless us. He's a good dad. He's a good, good father. Good dads want to bless their kids. Now, they don't, we, you know, as a kid growing up, I'm like, the best way to bless me is with Pop-Tarts and jelly-filled donuts, right? That's, that's me as a kid growing up. I, I have the evidence to prove it. But that wasn't the, the way my dad wanted to bless me. He wanted to bless me with, like, when it came to food, just good food, healthy stuff. So sometimes the, what we want as the blessing is not the best thing for us, but we do have a dad who knows the perfect thing for us. And he wants to bless his kids. And at the same time he wants to bless us, he wants to showcase his glory through us. So sometimes the challenges we walk through don't feel like a blessing, but he's getting the glory and he's preparing me for something. And to receive this blessing from the Lord, we got to remain faithful. we got to stay obedient, which is today's message from Haggai 1. And then we have to live hopeful. We have to, again, remain faithful, stay obedient, and live hopeful. And that's the story of the Old Testament book of Haggai that we have for us. So just a quick overview of Haggai. And we're going to walk through in sections together. But in this, in this story, the, 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 the nation of Israel had been taken captive. And that was prophesied. So it came true. And it's about 70 years later that they have new captors like controlling them. So like, you know, management changed. Uh, but they're still, they're still captive. And uh, the new management, the new nation said, you can go back and you can rebuild your lives. You're still mine, I still own you, but you can go back to your homeland and rebuild your lives. And so that's, this is actually the first prophecy given to the people when they got to go back home. Uh, so there's other books in the Old Testament that take place roughly the same time uh, that are longer, but this one is the first one given to them. So, it, you know, they're, they're captive, but it's 70 years later, and so, so hope is returning, but for them, they're, they're missing they're missing the mark of what the, of what the story is supposed to be. But praise God, even when we blow it, he still has a story that he's going to unfold in our lives. And so there was still hope. And, and that's why God sent the prophet Haggai to speak to them. And, and the big idea for the, for the series and for the, really for the message today is there's always going to be, just like with King David, there's always going to be this civil war in the soul. 
Like, my flesh wants to do this, but my spirit that's tied to Jesus wants to do this. And so the soul is, if you want to just look at it this way, it's the deciding factor. My soul just picks which side of the war it wants to join. Do I want to go with flesh against Jesus? Do I want to go with Jesus against flesh? Now, you may be like me and ask the question, Jesus, why don't you just get rid of the flesh so I don't have to worry about that? And he's like, yeah, that comes later. You know, it does. There will be a day, a forever day for believers where we will never have to deal with the civil war of the soul and the flesh won't have any play in us anymore. But while we're here on planet Earth in a broken place, in a place where God still wants to showcase his glory and redeem as many lost people as possible, we have to make these decisions. And so, so there's always this going to be this struggle but praise God, we got the spirit of the living God to help us choose spirit side. And, and, and so that's the story. Flesh versus spirit and choices matter. So it picks up, we're going to read the first six verses. Uh, Haggai 1, verses 1 through 6, it says, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, sorry. Uh, just say it with confidence, Scott. Um, and... <laughs> And to Joshua, one, Zerubbabel was the, the governor, Joshua was the priest. So you have a prophet, Haggai, a priest, Joshua, and then uh, the governor, Zerubbabel. We'll just call him Z. It's easier for me. Um, and and some, of your, some of your, because they have a different calendar than us, some of your like, timings, like this month or this day, will be different depending on whether they're going with the... The, the old calendar or what we would, you know, modernize it today. So don't get lost there. Um, and then don't worry about that either. Um, this is what the all, Lord Almighty says. To these people say, the time has not yet come for that. For the time, oh, sorry, I'll read it again. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be rebuilt. So they went back. They were given a first task, rebuild the temple or for us to be the church. And they started building houses. Then the word of the Lord came. And Haggai says this. Is your own world really more important than God? You care about your own homes while God's house is in ruins. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Or think very carefully about your choices. You've planted much, but you haven't harvested much. You eat, but you're never satisfied. You drink, you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a pocket full of holes. You see, there's, the, the struggle here is that there's, there's no real spiritual zeal or pursuit of God in their return. They, they go back, but they're living both selfish and defeated. And then in the midst of Wrong focus and, and living defeated and, and being selfish, things aren't working out, so they get more depressed along the way. And that's what he's referring to. You got clothes, but you're cold. You're eating, but it's like not, not filling your belly. And, and, and you bring home money, but then you don't have any money to bring home. That's what's happening to you. And they're like, yeah, we know that. So what gives? That's kind of where they are right here. And so Haggai's telling him, you're, you're choosing to live focused on yourself, to care for yourself, instead of the way God's designed it. You know how God's designed it? For us today, it would apply church community. 
a Christian community, small caring communities. This kind of gathering where we celebrate, but then also small caring communities where we, where we study the word, where we do life together, where when, when somebody's sick, uh, the person in their real life group, uh, you know, takes some chicken soup and somebody needs to be moved, uh, you know, their Bible study group, they, they move the stuff for them. Where you do life together in Christian community. It's got to be that way or you're going to live defeated. You're going to live broken. You're going to live a measure of freedom, but not freedom. Because we're called to live in community. For them, it was the temple they were rebuilding. They didn't have real life groups necessarily. Maybe they did. I don't know. Um, They didn't call them churches. We do. But for us today, this would be church community, Christian community, and then small caring communities where you do real life together. Because as much as we all love one another, I don't think we'd all be very good getting together like, you know, in, in John Barclay's house together for a real life group. It'd be crowded. But my real life group can do that. And there's another real life group over there on that side of town or on that side of the county or, or, or down that street that can get together. And that's where we do real life together. So, so what's happening here is they're not focusing on what, they're let, what they were told, what they were allowed to go back and do. They're not focusing on that. And so God holds back the blessing that he desires to give them. And for some people, they're like, yep, that's exactly what God's like. Holds back the blessing and he makes people earn it. And it's like, no, no. He's just letting them reap the blessings that they're creating. This is, this is what they're earning because they're doing it on their own. And he's saying, I've got more for you, but you've got to focus on how I've called you to live, which is according to the Holy Scripture here. That's what they're missing. So they were living with misplaced priorities. I mean, verse 4 says, your lives mean more to you than God does. It's more important than, than why he took you from your old place and brought you home. That's more important to you. You're not paying attention. Your priorities are misplaced. You're serving you, and you're serving your own desires. And basically, you're giving the backhand to God. No. No. It was me first. And they decided, hey, I'll just I'll circle back to God when it's convenient. I'll, I'll come back to him when it, when it works for me. When I'm all done with me, I'll give God my leftovers. Now, nobody ever says that in following Jesus because it sounds really bad, right? How many of us have done that in life, right? We've done that. I I lived that way for a long time in my poor, poor Christianity. I'll give God my leftovers. I'll give him, you know, every third weekend on a Sunday, I'll give him an hour and 15, but not an hour 20, Uh, you know? As God, God's a timely God too, so he can get this done in hour 15. Better not go hour 20. I've done those things. I'll read two chapters, not three. I'll do those things. And I give God my leftovers. And he's saying, what, you're, so you're planting everything and you're creating the, the rain and everything because you've stepped outside of what I've called you to. So Haggai here, he's telling them to wake up. That was the theme. It's a beautiful theme this weekend for Citywide because it, it fits perfectly. Theirs is uh, Ephesians 5.14, wake up, O sleeper, and live your life according to, to, to the Scriptures. Don't, don't walk around paralyzed or, or dead or, or mummified. Wake up. That's what he's telling him, and that's what Haggai's basically telling him here. Wake up. See? The baby heard me. He's saying your zeal... And your focus and your purpose has to be God. 
And then in verses 7 through 11, we see that, that their righteous choices are going to move the hand of God to, to bring blessing. And so it goes on into verse 7 and it says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. He repeats verse 5. Think carefully about your choices. Go up to the mountains, bring down timber and build the house. He's talking about the church, the temple. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expect much, but see, it turned out to be little. He's telling them what's going on. This is what you're facing right now. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin. While each of you is busy with his own house, it's me first. And I can't bless that. Because it's not healthy for you and it doesn't glorify me. That's what God's saying. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withhold their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains and on the grain and the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. He's saying here, you're focusing on all your stuff and what you say matters most. And I'm just an afterthought. So this is a good word for us to take today because nobody's pointing at you. If somebody's pointing at you, let's just trust it's the Holy Spirit right now because nobody's pointing at you. But you know you and I know me and we should take inventory of our lives and go, okay, in, in fullness or in some area of my life, is this me? Does this apply to me? Does, does, does that focusing everything on me and, wh- and what matters most to me apply to me right now? Is that why my life is a struggle? Because he says, you're defeated. You're living defeated because you're not caring about community life. It's blah to you and it's blah being lived out. He says there's no crops. Your life's a struggle. Adversity is is real and rules the day. And so Haggai is the voice that God used to send to them. Because God wants to bless. God wants to bless his people. Did you know God wants to bless you? Now what does that look like? I don't know. But so often we get stuck in the, well, don't, you know, don't be selfish. You know, it's not about your blessing. Yeah, actually it is. I'm a dad of five, and a lot of you have maybe the same amount of kids. Bless you. Uh, or, or a kid, or you, you have nephews, and you have somebody in your life younger than you love to, that you love. Do you want them to suffer and squirm and just like eke out a living? Or do you want them to be blessed? Every good person says, I want them blessed. Because a good dad, a good mom, a good mentor, a good coach, a good teacher wants their kids blessed. Does anybody that, that, that has any teaching quality want their kids to all fail in school? No. Good teachers want their kids to learn a lot and be great at what they're, what they're learning and then apply it. That's a good heart of a human. So imagine a perfect God, what he wants to do to bless you and to bless me. People get so stuck on, well, don't, don't talk like that. It sounds like prosperity gospel. You know what? My prosperity gospel is found in Jesus, but like, I, I don't preach like that your pockets are going to be lined with cash. You're going to have gold teeth fall out of your face. Oh, that'd be weird. You're going to have gold teeth to, to bank on. But my God does want to prosper me. Yeah. Okay, and if somebody comes at you with, don't, don't focus on prosperity gospel, just lovingly know they're, fo- they're the ones focusing on prosperity gospel. And they've misplaced my God and his blessing. So call it blessing, call it prosperity, whatever it is, however he wants to bless me, he blesses me. 
I mean, if it's that I drive a 14-year-old van that just won't die, then I do. Because I do. That one tire's a problem, but the rest of it, that sucker won't die. And I don't take really good care of it. Like, I find the cheap oil change people, and that's it. I don't know nothing about taking care of vehicles, except that thing, that AC blasts like, like a winter storm in February, and... Uh, yeah, uh, and, uh, and the heat is like warm, it, it, it just, it flies a little too fast, I tell it to slow down sometimes on 281, right? That's a prosperous way of living for me. God blesses my life that way. However he wants to prosper your life, health, joy, good relationships, finances, wisdom in, 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 in how you live your life or in how you, you, you're generous, whatever that is, he wants to bless you and prosper you. Yes. But he is saying there's a way. We don't go into it to go, I'm doing this so you can prosper me and, 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 and increase my bank account. No, because that's misplaced priority. But if I'm doing it because I'm following you and this, then I'm just going to trust that you're a God who blesses. Yeah, so don't get stuck on the prosperity thing. And I'm not even saying it's the prosperity gospel that some people claim it to be. I'm just saying my God likes to prosper us. And then in verses 12 through 15, we see this beautiful response, which I love. Because so often in Old Testament, we're like, well, there they go again. Here comes the lightning. There goes the earthquake. Here comes the calamity. We don't see that here. It's beautiful. Then Zerubbabel, the son, and Joshua, that son, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message the prophet Haggai gave them because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to his people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of, of Joshua and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. So three weeks later, they were at it. Like they responded so well, they got their priorities in order and they began walking up the mountain and bringing down the timber. They listened. They lived out repentance. And and here's what repentance is. I'm not doing it right. Forgive me. Now I'm going to start doing it right. They lived that out because they stopped doing what they were doing wrong and they made a change and they began doing right. That's repentance lived out. It's a 180 towards Jesus. They made the carefully thought out choice to honor God and follow God, to do the work of the Lord. So hope came. And we see in, in, in we're going to carry over a few verses into chapter 2, and then we're going to backtrack a little bit next week. But it, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, we see this promise given, this now be strong. Fix your eyes on Him and He'll bless you. That God's desire is to display his presence in your life and his amazing character first to show you that and then to have you go and show that to the world. That's always the way he does it. He wants to pour himself into and onto his people, the followers, so they can be just totally overjoyed, overwhelmed, have this, this belief that they can, they, can, they can break down walls so that they can then go and they can seek out the, the lost and and find the hurting, and find the broken, and give them Jesus. He wants to bless you and me first, here. 
and then have us go around. So it says in verse 3 of chapter 2, and and it's kind of a a hard saying at first, but he's getting to the point. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Solomon's temple was glorious, right? And now they've rebuilt one and it doesn't look the same. Kind of looks a little awkward, right? So how does it look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? And they're like, thank you. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. But now be strong, declares the Lord. Be strong. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Another phrase of that would be Lord of hosts or the Lord of heaven's armies. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I'll shake the nations, and the desire of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver's mine, the gold is mine. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. He's saying, this may look to your eyes like lesser than Solomon's temple, but it's going to be better because Jesus is coming, and then I'm going to fill the house because Jesus came. That's what he's saying. So you do this, and on the outside, it may look a little less than, but on the inside and eternally, it's going to be greater. And praise God, they listened and obeyed, right? They made the choice to fixate on God, to prioritize God, so this message of hope was given. Be strong, be strong, for I, the Lord Almighty, am with you. Jesus has to be who we choose, always, to follow wholeheartedly. The same thing that we see Joshua say in in Joshua 24, it's a famous passage, it's the end of his life, and and he's telling the people uh, his final words, and, and he He walked through the history of what God had brought him from, and then he says in verse 14, Now fear the Lord. Serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away those old gods. Throw away what you once served, what once owned you, what you loved before I saved you, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your past or one of the gods that the people here serve in this world today. Are you going to choose what the world serves today? In this place where you temporarily live that is not your eternal home, you were not made for this, you were saved for eternity. He says, but as for me and my household and my family, we're going to choose to serve the Lord. So, a question I ha- some questions I have for us. You want a bright future or the same old, same old? You want a bright future in Jesus Or you want to figure it out on your own and take what the world has to offer you today. We read that. Haggai lays it out before him. Think carefully. Joshua lays it out before him. Hey, choose. Choose God or if if he's not desirable. I mean, it's a crazy thing. It's like, why do you even offer that one? But the reality is people go through stuff and they got to make decisions. And he says, if God's not desirable to you, choose the ways of the world. The gods of the world are the things that, that, you know, tickle your ears here. So he's saying, will you be faithful? Will you remain faithful? Will you repent and become faithful? You're like, I'm not. 
living that out, but I want to repent, turn, walk towards faithfulness? Would you choose to step into, maybe for the first time, or return to step into a faithful Jesus-following lifestyle and receive God's blessings? Or be like the world around you. Think about you, follow the crowd. Even become somebody who's just righteously hateful. Like, everybody's doing wrong. I I know I'm a believer, but i got to be mad. That's hard not to fall into. I'm telling you personally. I'm not saying you do that. I'm saying I struggle every week not going, but they're so dumb, right? Because I'm righteous. I'm right. And you know what? I'm correct. But am I right? Right. Right? How about jumping on the bandwagons of popularity even within churches? Churches have so often, over the course of history, but really maybe the last 10 years, lost their way. This doesn't guide them anymore. They choose a social justice as their gospel. And now I should care for the homeless, and I should care for the needy, and I should, I should care for the hungry, and I should certainly care for the orphans and widows because it tells me that's true religion. But if I'm not loving God first and then loving people based on this gospel, then my gospel is social justice. And so we can choose popularity because it sounds really good. Man, let's just have a church of equality. Well, yeah, from a heart filled with love based on this, not that I have to write some mandate. I, I love Jesus, and he saved me. And so Jesus, take my life and... And use me to to love people everywhere. And then consistently transform me and keep keep me on that potter's wheel. So we have a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. The God of the Bible? The God who saved you? The God who, who went to the cross for you? Or what the world offers? That God. Those are the choices. And when Haggai presented them and said, this is why things aren't working out, they said, let's do what works out. Let's follow God. And then he just pours out blessing. We're going to see more of it next week. As they were obedient, which is this week, we will see the blessing, which we're going to cover next week. Haggai speaks to everyone who's broken, who feels less than, who maybe has broken themselves with bad choices, or it feels like they're just running in circles, he speaks to them and says, get your priorities right and watch what God does. God speaks directly to our identity in him. And he says, this is how you're free. Jesus says it in in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. He said, said, if you want to know what it means to be free, to live free, if you want to know the truth, then you got to obey my teachings here. And, and follow this, and then you will see what I'm talking about, and you will know truth, and then you will live free. It will guide you, and then it will protect you. And it will be the truth you can give away that will change people's lives. But you have to know me. So you choose to live in here. And you choose to live in community and do life together. You know, we've been endeavoring this year to have every Sunday be a prayer Sunday. Uh, they all should be, but very specific to what God's laid on our hearts for for the message we pray. So this week, we're actually doing a little different. Josh is going to sing a song called Make My Life a Prayer to You, and this is going to be our prayer moment.
Now, some of you may want to come up to the altar during this. Uh, the words are going to be on the screen so you can see what, what the prayer is. But this is a moment for us to apply. This is a moment for us to go, here I am. Take, take my life. I turn it over to you. I turn this back over to you. I, I repent and give you this. But make my life a prayer to you. I want to be what you want me to be. No empty words, no white lies, no token prayers, no compromise. That's what I want. So during this song, this is our prayer. And then I'll wrap it up with, with a thought before we sing one final song. So, so take this song and let it be a prayer application in your life right now. Make my life pretty. I want to do what you want me to. Empty words and no white lies No token prayers, no compromise I want to shine the light you give Through your Son you sent to save us From ourselves and our despair It comforts me to know you're really there My eyes are on me Well I guess I'll have to trust And just believe what you say Oh you're coming again Coming to take me away well, I want to die and let you give your life to me so I might live and share the hope you gave to me, the love that set me free. Well, I want to tell the world out there, you're not some fable, fairy tale that I've made up inside my head. You're the God, the Son, you've risen from the My eyes are on me I guess I'll have to trust And just believe what you say Oh, you're coming again Coming to take me away
You know, that song, uh, for me, it's a long time ago, but in my mo- one of my most broken states, I remember pulling over on the side of the road, I was driving between Seguin and San Marcos on Highway 123, and, and uh, I knew I had to make a decision. And the Lord really placed it, and he's like, Scott, you, you choose, you choose. Who you choose is your God, and I'm the only one that's ever going to love you. And I'm the only one that's ever going to make a difference, and I'm the only one that can use you for anything that is purposeful. And, and I remember listening to that song, and I'd heard it a hundred times, and uh, it has now become probably my favorite Christian song of all time. But I remember just being so broken and going, but, but I'll present myself to you, but I'm so broken, and I mess up so much. Even if you fix me, I know I'll mess up. And he's like, yes. We still, we're still going to struggle. We're still going to struggle. You're still going to fail and you're still going to sin at times. It's not about that. Choices matter. Make my life a prayer to you. Make my life a prayer to you. And then when you use me in spite of me, who gets the glory? Not me. Only the God of the living gets the glory. The gospel of grace has come. It came in the form of Jesus He solidified it on the cross and when he rose from the dead and he says, now you take my grace, my favor and live it out and then you go and you give my grace and my favor because people are broken and hurting and lost and confused and stuck in religion. So you go and give them grace and then you let me do the work. I'll do the work. You just be my messenger just like Haggai. He came and it looked, he probably thought, are they going to listen? And they listened and God blessed I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We're going, to, we're going to worship him one more time with a new song. And hopefully the Lord either spoke to you or ministered to you or you turned something over to him. But during this song of worship, praise him for what he showed you. Or if you're like, I haven't heard yet, praise him for what he's going to show you. And, and praise him in faith and worship him because he's worthy of our worship. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.